Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Before we jump in, whatever platform you're joining the conversation from today, we would love for you to subscribe, download, follow, leave that five-star rating and a review so we know what you're thinking. Uh, it helps out so much in spreading the podcast out to all uh, those that need to listen to the content we share here. Also, we're always eager to hear from you, so feel free to email us with any suggestions for topics, your thoughts, or feedback uh, at nate at gracestoryministries.com. That's nate at gracestoryministries.com. Uh, today on the show, we have uh, two guests, two for the price of one. Uh, they come together as a set. Uh, we have the president and founder of Grace Story Ministries, Amber Jones, and her husband, Dr. Darren Jones. Uh, but I've been told I can call him Darren because he's my brother-in-law. So I'm going to do that. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks. It's awesome to be here and to have Darren with me today. Yeah, Darren, uh, you uh, is this your, how many shows have you done this month? Uh, what, you work in the circuit or how does that? <laughs> this this would be the first. This is yeah. your so this is your favorite show that you do. He's a pretty big fan of public speaking. So, <laughs> well, you're more than just a pretty face. There's actually uh, some thoughts behind the beard, which is why what the the handle of your Instagram is the beard speaks. Uh, just so. just not very often. <laughs> <laughs> the beard speaks DVM. So yeah, just uh, <laughs> well, you're obviously uh, suave enough with your words to have uh, you know talked Amber into a lifelong commitment. Which speak which speaking of lifelong commitment, how did that go for you two? How did that start? Because it's my understanding, you know, being privy to the details, y'all were pretty young. <laughs> Yeah. So I was 17. Darren was 19. And um, I saw him first, actually, because I was still in high school and he was at the Bible college attending for one year before he went on to get some vet school. Um, yeah, but I know he he loves to tell this story um, with all the detail and everything. So. so you had two semesters to get this locked in, sounds like. Yep, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So how did, how did that come to fruition from your side, Darren? Oh, uh, well, there was a little matchmaker going on and uh, uh, somebody, you know, because in that setting, there's not a ton of interaction between high school and college, which is where we were at the time. Interesting. And uh, yeah, so there's a little matchmaker going on there and uh, it, uh, it worked. So. It started with like deep conversation, like, How's the weather? Nice day. Um, mm. Nice day. Yeah. You know, those things that make your heart flutter deeply, but it could be anything, you know, like, could you pass the butter? And you'd be like, oh, he is awesome. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's how that went. And then uh, he went home and we dated long distance for three years. And I always told him, um, as long as Walmart's not a day trip, because I knew he was going to be a large animal veterinarian. And so I was full blown Cincinnati city girl and it's like, okay, so as long as Walmart's not like, let's get dressed up kids and spend the day at Walmart. And so he slow boil frogged me. Yeah. How's he that going? How's that going yeah, now? We're, it only takes like 40 minutes. So it's not that far away. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with so much in common to start country boy, uh, with city girl, uh, it, yeah, the high school versus college, et cetera. Uh, and long distance to boot. How long did you guys go a long distance? 
Yeah. So including engagement, uh, we were together three years three before years. we got married. <clears throat> and um, two of that was five hours apart back in the day of phone cards. So yes. a lot know, of conversations like, after nine o'clock then yeah. a lot, a lot after nine and email. <laughs> Yep, I love email. it. We have binders yeah. of our email printouts. Wow. You know, that's great. Um, but no, it was, it was really good. And I knew basically right away, um, woman in my mind, I was like, he's the one I'm marrying that gun. But I had seen him the summer before at a church camp and the way he treated his mom was one of just like a gentleman. And I had, I had told my dad as we left, um, I just hope his girlfriend knows how lucky he is or whatever. And at least said it in my mind, if not to my dad and found out I was his first girlfriend. So uh, he likes to remind me, I hope you know how lucky you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding. He but maybe, but, but maybe <clears throat> not in that. so many words. Uh, so, so. Uh, all that you've been through, been through a lot that requires resilience. Uh, and it's part of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Is just kind of your story of resilience in a way. And maybe maybe that's a good place to start there where, you know, that resilience, it's all about moving forward despite difficulties. Um, let, let's start with maybe what you think uh, your working definition of resilience is for those listening in. So they kind of know where you, uh, what, what you think on resilience. Well, I think it's, I think one thing Amber's got, some things you wanted to share on this, but I think one thing it's important to notice what it's not. Um, <clears throat> when I was thinking, kind of preparing for this podcast, I resilience to me kind of seemed like, um, like what you could handle, like and not get knocked down, what you could get through, you could muscle through, you know, when you see people that just keep moving forward and nothing really seems to, to knock them down. But <clears throat> the more I, the more I thought about that, I think resilience has a lot more to do with what happens after you get knocked down. So there's a lot of people who've been through situations um, of just so many different varieties. And the fact of the matter is a lot of us are going to experience those. And it's not so much the driving forward with, you know, acting like it's, it never phases you so much as it's what happens, you know, <clears throat> afterwards. And And I think it's important to notice that Um, resilience is not the absence of getting knocked down. It's not the absence of needing help or therapy or, or, um, counsel wisdom, you know? So I think that's, that's one thing I want to say. I think it's not the absence of, of falling and failing. Well, to, to that point, uh, when I, when I think of resilience myself, I understand, yeah, it has components of individual attributes, um, learned skills for sure, um, external systems, whether that's supportive or not. Um, and it's one, when, whenever people are like, man, uh, in the context of kids, man, that kid is so resilient. It kind of makes me bristle a little bit, maybe because of some of my own history for sure. But it's like, okay, yeah, if they have some individual attributes of resiliency, that's great. Uh, their learned skills may be out of uh, some terrible situations Mm -hmm. and their external support system non-existent. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're independent and resilient, but at what cost? Um, you know, so looking at it holistically, like you're mentioning and, and looking at each part of it, um, very, very important. Amber, you have a working definition. I see you looking down at notes there. 
<laughs> well, I don't know that it's a working definition um, that, yeah, like we'd publish, but I have had a lot of time to think about this because I would agree with you. There is a certain level of like, man, um, hardiness, you know, like, well, that's a hardy kid, you know, like they've just got sturdy character. Um, and it almost seems to disregard the cost to that person at times when people talk about it, like, you know, well, I just wish I had as much resilience as they had so that I could bounce back like they do. And it, you know, it kind of just like disregard seems at times to disregard in, in just your traditional everyday setting, um, the cost to that person to get back up to, to what does it mean? Um, and, and so I think that's some of where I've sat with it. And, um, it's, it seems like, like Darren said, it's, it is that, like that fight back often. And to me, resilience seems to be more than just that striving for the next goal or running or even fighting back. Um, when we've been fought against, it's not really how much we can just fight against something. In my mind, it looks more like having a certain confidence. And I know we've talked in earlier podcasts about clarity versus certainty, like certainty being this, I am certain of this particular outcome. So therefore I can go forward and you don't always have that. And to me, it's more of this clarity idea of I may not know the outcome, but I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know my value before God and in God. Um, and so that is what motivates us to lean in when things start getting truly impossibly difficult at times. Um, at the end of the day, there's a certain rest component to resilience that maybe goes against what we would initially think. Well, with that too, I mean, there's, there's ways certainly to enhance the resilience that you have, you know, coping strategies, the tools we talk about on our show, uh, therapy, learning from uh, uh, interventions that may be tailored to your in individual needs. There's all sorts of avenues to go around uh, to enhance your own resilience but none better than actually relying on God and moving into his comfort, his safety. Um, and with that, I, I, the, the resilience factor, what are some of those, we'll call them practical ways that you through your lifetime and through different things that we, we may or may not get into here, um, that your relationship with Jesus during those tough times that you've stayed resilient and stayed in relationship with him. Yeah. I think resilience, and I'm sure Darren has things that he'll want to share with this as well. <laughs> you know, he, he will. That's why he wants to be here today. Um, no, but I think that there are those opportunities. And what I find is that when the deepest, darkest push comes to shove, I tend to, even with all the trauma work I've done, I tend to default very quickly to my core view of who God was like all my whole life of like, okay, he's abandoned me. He's indifferent. He sees what's happening, but he won't step in. What have I done? How do I, how do I get his attention again? How do I earn God's approval? And that, that father narrative that was really destroyed for me in a way that made it really, really hard to see God as this nurturing father who, who does still hold me even when things hurt. And for me, that's what resilience, I, you know, you keep like 
everything we go through is to bring God glory, to shape us into his image and to bring others into the kingdom. And so I think that there's always that kind of grid that we have to look through. We're like, what am I learning here that I need to take a look at that is still iron sharpens iron, softening those rough edges of what I believe about God. Um, And Darren's been very privy to how I respond in those situations and how he responds with his own, you know, his own view of who God is and, um, and default for working through tough stuff. I think anytime there's um, resilience in the area of our walk with God, though, we can't negate like the huge part is just the grace of God. Right. So looking back on some of the stuff we've experienced, um, you know, in the last few years or even farther back, right. It's, it's still the grace of God that's brought us through it. Um, certainly there are aspects where, you know, our God narrative and all those things are huge factors, but anytime God can keep us through an event, it's the grace of God. And I, you know, even in my own life, there were times where, um, it would be easier to quit. It feels like, and in those moments, I, I've recognized the grace of God to just to provide what I need, even if it didn't feel like it at the time. You know, looking back, it's just it's just been a gift of the Father. Yeah. To me. That reminds me of, of the quote the quote by Brennan Manning. God is enamored with his people and so intent upon a response that he even provides the grace to respond. Like from mm-hmm. the very beginning of any type of interaction with God, it is solely because he's even given us the grace to like, oh yeah, I'd like to respond to that. Uh, I'd like to, let's dig deeper right there where where you're talking because talking about when thing, our experience of God isn't, isn't like we want it to be, or our God narrative is informing how we're responding to God when it comes to, at least from, from a biblical perspective and your definition of resilience there, how does all that we've spoken about so far, uh, how does that align with the character of God and maybe his plans for our lives? What's your view on that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Small I, question, I know. Yeah. In 30 seconds or less. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, if we go back to what is resilience, if it's not just running and striving, um, if it's not how fast you get back up, um, what is the foundation of it? And it's really, and this is going to sound so like perhaps Christian cliche, but it's what you you're built on. It's really what is your foundation. And, um, Darren and I were talking about this the other day, but just if, if your resilience, like if you think of it as like a kickball, you're a kickball and you're getting bounced around, right? Um, if that ball hits a trampoline, there's some give there that is going to make it be a little different. There's like, there's more, there's something to come back from, right? And if you're just going into like marshmallows, if you're built on fluff, you're going to have a harder time bouncing back. So it's like, what is your foundation built on? Is it something that's going to give? Or so there's times like when, um, when we went through some church trauma recently where we, we were losing our support system. We were losing what we knew, um, from even our childhood on what got us to God, how do we interact with God? How does God see us? What gets us to heaven? Um, all of those things were then thrown into um, 
the basket with, well, what is true? Um, when people that have been that guidance system really let you down in a way that begins to question, well, if that's not true, if what they said on this is, is like a theological narcissist point of view, then what have they taught that I now need to take a look at, right? So then you feel like that, that foundation begins to have more give to it than, um, than being like, oh, that really hurt, but I can bounce back from this. Eventually, when you take that or you've got family trauma going on at the same time and friends that are pulling away, the more items that begin to add up, the less tethers you have securing you with that clarity and confidence of, I can bounce back from this. I have people, I have a support system. And so the resilience factors, it's kind of like A scores, you know, like the more things that add up on you, the more you feel like, man, I, where does God land in this? Because this is pulling, this is pulling, where do I land? And there's been different opportunities, <laughs> put it that way, in our lifetime from, you know, things that have happened here on the farm that are just life and financial to uh, church trauma or family trauma, where we've had to navigate those situations and, um, and it mattered what our foundation was, what our walk with God was like in that time. Yeah. And I think one of the things like Amber mentioned, you know, when you, if, if, if what you've been taught, if, if some part of it starts to fall apart, it does make you start to question everything, right? And you don't really know, you know, if, if you don't really know where the lines are anymore, what's true, what's not true. And that can be a, it can be a scary place to be. It can be a dangerous place to be depending how you respond to it. But it's really, um, I guess, at least one of the things for me, is it's driven me to study for myself, mm -hmm. you know? And so in, instead of just taking stuff for granted or just taking what I've been told, like really like Bible study, right? Studying what, what the Bible says for myself. And that's been, that's been a growing, um, an area of growth for me, <clears throat> but I haven't always gotten it right too, because I also want to say in this, in this time, like it's also been um, easy to, to disconnect or to not study or to, to float, you know? And so that's where, um, <clears throat> things like coping mechanisms, um, way too much Facebook because you can just numb out, you know, in some of those moments where it's just easier. Right. And so I think that's where the grace of God has helped to hold me back. The family, you know, like <clears throat> on times when it'd be easier to skip church, you know, having, having kids, yeah. Having kids changes so much of the responsibility that you feel as you carry the changes, the navigation of this. I wasn't supposed to be the one that gets emotional, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it is, you know, you do go through those times where you're, you're really not sure what ends up. Right. And so the, um, having some structure, well, one having structure from my past, like, so I, I was never, I never wanted to give up Christianity. I'm not saying that, but um, so having that, that did help hold me too, right? The desire to serve God was still there. Yeah. But then just the fact that I didn't have the option to just veg out and skip church because 
I had I had a family to answer for. And so those are the kind of things where I see the grace of God showing up in my life um, to help hold me accountable. But like there were still those times um, where you, you do, where you can slip into coping mechanisms, you know, and, um, and not really be super productive. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of my story is just not, you know, going through a period where, um, I wasn't that close to God, to be honest, not that I left him, but I wasn't really cultivating that. And so that's been, then part of the, the Bible study and the, the seeking after God is, is part of the growth back. Well, I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to apologize for having emotions related to this, especially strong emotions. Cause, yeah. uh, man, one of the things that, that happened to me as I worked through, we'll just call it what it is, some church hurt, you know, it, it is that tendency to shut down, shut off. Uh, but that's also some other stuff I learned on how to actually deal with emotions. You know, we're, we're doing it. Don't, dive into the emotions right now. I need to control the situation. I'll deal with that down the road. And then you never deal with it. And then it just compounds. But also I hear, uh, as you're talking, I hear some detractors probably listening in. I can hear them already. Ah, here we go. Deconstruction. I knew it. They're not calling it that, but man, they're leaving the faith. And this is what, this is what I'm talking about. And I, I think one thing that and you may have had this happen too. You've, I've had to become not okay with, but at least understand that and find a positive and a, a healthy rather coping mechanism for being misunderstood. Um, because it seems like some, as you work through your own uh, journey of restoration, you're on, uh, you are a Christian and you're following Christ uh, and you're moving forward on that journey that uh, if you leave a a group or you go to a different church, a different denomination, some within the previous group, it can can be, ah, see the self, it's the, well, I was going to happen the whole time. And now watch, they've kept moving. They've kept moving. And really they're actually not a part of your story anymore. They're not close to you. They don't know anything that's going on. And it can become that thing where you just become misunderstood and it's like they, they're able to tell others, yep, see, I told you this is what was going to happen. How have you dealt with kind of being misunderstood in several different ways uh, through life, through the last few years, and also the hurt that comes along with being misunderstood? And I'm not going to say possibly, but actually being talked about behind your back. There is something to be said, I think, within all of us, just as human beings, to want to be understood, to think there's certainly, if I said this or if I was able to have a sit down one-on-one, they would understand better or, you know, they would hear my heart. Yet there's those that are committed to misunderstanding (laughs) you. Right. But at the end of the day, I think part of what um, I have learned over the last few months, the last, you know, year, but really maybe cemented from just a head knowledge to a heart knowledge, um, is that again, that foundation, God is my witness, but he's also my judge. So I would love to be able to explain myself better and sit down. That's my personality. I'm like, if we have a problem, let's sit down. Let's you know, let's reason together. Um, 
but you can't actually do that. I mean, that's why we have a Grace Surrey conference. As we say often, we have a conference for that. Um, Whether it's straight out narcissists who are like determined to just, you know, make sure their agenda is on the table and the one that's heard and pushed and seen, or if it's the, the well-meaning brother or sister in Christ who is wanting to just warn their fellow believers of this slippery slope that has been presented, you know, I mean, it could, we're going to get the benefit of the doubt either way. Being misunderstood hurts. It hurts deep. I think it really hurts when it's um, done by those or um, that, that you love, like that you felt like you had a genuine relationship with. And there are times when you have to assess what was that relationship? Like, let's the same thing we say about everything else. Let's get the story straight about the relationship. Um, Let's hold that relationship just kind of at a hand's length for a minute and look at it with curiosity. Was that uh, a confidant? Was that a friend? Was that an ally? There's a great leadership book by Todd Bolsinger called Canoeing the Mountains, where he presents this, this concept of, are they allies? Are they really actually just with you because of your mission? And if your missions diverge, they're going to have to choose their mission. And so therefore they become opposition. Um, and so we've come up against some of that with Grace Story as, as a professional team. Um, but then we've battled through that some on our personal front as well as we've navigated changes and felt like God was leading us in a new direction, um, a new church denomination with joining the Wesleyan church and that being misunderstood as uh, maybe running from, from what was true or running from what um, running from conflict when really it's, it's a matter of continuing to walk through grief and sadness and the things that were lost and walking into the freedom, which is an often misunderstood term, just about as much as meditation is, but the freedom in Christ to live um, just in wholeness and health before him and allow his Holy Spirit to work on us and allow his Holy Spirit to work on them. Yeah, I read a, I read a, a Facebook post. Someone was actually talking about what you're talking about when they talked about freedoms. And they were essentially the spirit of the post was I hear everybody talking about these freedoms. What if freedom is now the new bondage? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't. Okay, sure. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, um, which again, uh, we're not saying that freedom is go do whatever you want. There's still scripture. There's, there's still, still scripture. It's, there's still, it's not open season. <laughs> no, there's still the living in uh, actual communication with the Holy Spirit which those that aren't, uh, you know, Christ followers, that sounds a little creepy. Um, but then for those that actually know the gentleness, the the, the quiet presence, um, the powerful yeah. nature of the Holy Spirit, I mean, that makes it all the more, like, that can be scary, actually. Moving from a set of rules uh, that if I follow these, I know that I'm okay. But if the, the, that broadens, that widens, and now I have to trust the Holy Spirit to guide me, now I need to actually invest in the relationship to stay in tune and make sure every step, ah. So that's a whole other episode too. Yeah. Darren, I'll throw this one over to you. Because as you've moved into, uh, uh, as you've grown rather, 
uh, into a, a another church body, uh, which I know y'all were very careful about that, very intentional. Mm-hmm. It was a, a long time before you found that church home. Yeah. Um, and again, you put your kids in, uh, first in that as well. But as you've moved to this, grown into this church body, the body of Christ, how has your perspective maybe changed on the size of the body of Christ, who gets to be included in the body of Christ, what your relationship with the body of Christ is? How has your your perspective on that maybe changed, uh, if it has at all? My, um, my perspective of the body of Christ is how much it has grown for me. <clears throat> um, with, uh, with attending church in a different denomination from what we grew up, um, <clears throat> one of the things I, a story I like to tell, we were, we were attending our church <clears throat> and, and I, I've been told, we've been taught growing up that if your heart is in the right place, you can experience Jesus, right? So for example, you've got a pastor who's young and maybe not that accomplished yet you know instead of complaining like if you enter the atmosphere of church and worship with the right heart you can receive something from it right so i i i have that background that teaching and and so i go into um into another denomination and i i was in church and i i specifically noticed that I was feeling the Lord's presence. Okay. And, um, so I have this background that says, well, but that means nothing except what I have done really. And not completely, but there's that like, so if I'm prepared, then that's, then I may experience that. However, I looked around me and I, I noticed that other people were feeling God's presence. Right. And this is not a, a church that would be under the umbrella of the conservative holiness movement. So we've, we've had some upbringing that would say that this might be, I say this very carefully, but a lesser, a lesser church, a lesser church. And no, that wouldn't maybe be said directly, but maybe not as strong on relationship with God, maybe looser and, and just, not one that would be ideal for cultivating a relationship with Jesus, right? So I get in this atmosphere and I look and I feel God's presence and I look around me and I notice other people are feeling God's presence. And and I just had this moment where I realized I really think God is pleased with the worship that is happening here in this building and these people do not look like how I was raised. And And I'm not saying that to throw shade on anybody I just it opened my eyes to how much bigger the body of Christ really is. And and from that point, and then there, there had been some other things that had happened too, but just um, I guess my, my, my eyes to the um, body of Christ have been opened much. It's much larger than I, than I would have anticipated or known. Well, you, you, uh, I very, very careful there. I understand uh, because while this, you know, this episode is not directed towards anybody, there are individuals that listen in just a, uh, well, for whatever motive they have. But with that said, um, you know, whether or not that's something somebody's trying to say within a group, that's what at least one individual, yourself, having been there for decades, inferred uh, 
from that. And so that's something where, you know, if, if you're in leadership, you can take a look at that. What is the message that we're giving our young people about how we as an organization, as a faith community, connect with others within the body of Christ? What are we saying about them implicitly? Uh, what are we saying about them uh, explicitly? <laughs> um, what, what are, what's the communication there? How does our church interact with other churches? Because some people get it right. And some people don't. And whether that's a matter of control, whether that's a matter of not understanding how to actually interact at the organizational level, uh, whether that's fear of losing people or or whatever it may be, it's worth taking a look at. Um, and, you know, we're just peons over here, so we're not a threat at all. Um, it's just, you know, we're sharing our experience. As you rebuild trust, though, in, in the church community, um, cause I'm sure, you know, after having some church hurt, which, uh, you know, we're not going to go into necessarily here on this episode today, but having church hurt in viewing the body of Christ as it is a whole, you don't want to just hop out of one frying pan into another or into the fire or you, know, you don't want to get hurt again. So as you're rebuilding trust in the church community, what were maybe some of those qualities, values that you were looking for to ensure that you were getting into a healthier environment, a more nurturing environment, while also, I'm sure, guarding yourself from more potential hurt. I would have to say you're gun shy at first. I mean, just to be honest, you're gun shy at first. And um, so it's a lot easier to try to find some place where you are can, can kind of blend in and be in the background and not overly participate, you know, um, and ease in as we have, as we were looking for a new place to worship, um, there were some things that we had already talked about, like that we were, um, limiting our liberties in certain areas because of the influence we were maintaining, um, for ministry, um, the group that we, you know, were raised in. And so we just felt like we just stay there, you know, so we'd already kind of had these things where we knew, well, before God, that's, that's okay for our family, but we had already explained to our kids, but you know, this is, we, this is why we do those things or not do those things. Um, so some of those things, it was kind of like, as we looked for a new community, we were looking for, um, what do they believe? What do they preach? Like, what are their core doctrines? Um, a lot more than, um, than maybe the, can we repeat where we've been? You know, can we go to somewhere that feels familiar? Um, not that we weren't willing to, it's just, that was not what we were looking for at that point. We knew that we were, that God was opening the door for us to, um, kind of have a new sphere of influence. Um, along with that though, we didn't just jump in taking our kids to all the places we YouTubed a lot of sermons. I mean, and that's not real fun. Like on an evening when you can watch whatever you want to relax in the evening, to go through YouTube sermons, but we wanted to really have a good idea. What was the worship like? Um, and just different things like that. How, how did the children's area work? Was it safe? Um, so there were, you know, there were some things that we worked through that way, 
But then I like what, what, what my pastor recently told me as, as we become more involved in the teaching ministry and things like that at our church. Um, and I was just kind of honest with him and said, you know, there's a part of me that is still reserved because we've been so hurt and we love this place so much that it worries me. Like, what if we get in here and the same thing happens? Um, and he looked at me and he said, Amber, and you know, he's, he was just recently at our men's conference. Um, he was one of the the spiritual instructors there. And so pastor Darren looks at me and he said, you know, Amber, we're going to, we're going to hurt you because we're people here, mm. but we will not abandon you. And, um, there's a difference. There's a core culture that is cultivated in a place and you can tell it when you're looking for it or when you have been hurt and you're now aware of what is a culture in a community and they live by their principles. And one of those principles is uh, that they're going to be committed to honest conversation over misleading talk. And that's one of the things that's on their wall. So we're going to have those difficult conversations because we're a body of Christ and we're here to grow and edify um, one another. So just finding a church that's really committed to being trauma-informed, which they are, um, do they talk about mental health from the platform and weave that into a biblical concept? That was, of course, really important to me. Um, And then is there a place for my children? Do they have, do they represent a church that has a thriving children's program? We're not talking about children's entertainment. Do they have a children's program where they're really bringing the children to Jesus in discipleship, um, not just babysitting while we get a break for an hour? Yeah, with that, uh, the, the commitment to transparency is what I hear. Uh, and that that's really across the board, uh, not only beliefs, financial practices, leadership structure, uh, decision-making processes. Are they transparent with all of that? Um, And I'm sure the thing is, too, as you're going through that, part of your decision-making is your gut, your instincts. And if you, you know, maybe don't trust your decision-making based on your gut, (laughs) that's maybe where that uh, counsel, wise counsel uh, seeking that counsel and guidance comes in. Uh, over to you, Darren, with this church communities, forgiveness, you know, really emphasize forgiveness within church communities. How do you balance uh, extending grace, addressing the pain that was caused by those hurtful experiences, uh, as well as setting healthy boundaries? And maybe go a step further with with this. What do, what do you do when when you know you're not going to get an apology from people who have hurt you um, and they may never even know that because there may not have been intent there. They may not know that they hurt you. You may not be able to set that right this side of heaven. How do you deal with that? That's a good question. And I, I think it's an ongoing thing. Mm. Um, So forgiveness, the act of forgiveness, I think is an act of faith in God that he will, that that he will handle the situation right so um he specifically says vengeance is mine i will repay he makes it very clear that that's not on us to do um it doesn't make it easy and one of the things whether whether an apology comes or not and like you said 
there, you know, sometimes hurt happens when people don't even intend it. Um, and I'm sure I've been on the wrong side of hurts for people because we're all human. <clears throat> but when there, when an apology doesn't come or it is, it's not sufficient for the wound. I, do you remember the three R's? I was thinking of this earlier. Uh, do you remember them? Yeah. Um, it's Adam Young's three R's on reconciliation and it's uh, restitution, um, repentance, and the third one. <laughs> they oh. don't all, I, I can't remember. Remo but the third remorse, remorse. remorse. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Very good. So you have to feel remorse do the act of restitution and yeah. And when it seems like a lot of times too, there's an apology sometimes for how you took it, you know, or an right. apology, you know, so it's, it doesn't feel like an apology that really covers the wound, if that makes sense. And, and a lot of times it seems like we also don't see apologize apologies that, that include um, making things right. Like ownership. Yeah. yeah. And true ownership. So, so whether they come whether they don't come at all or where they come in a way that doesn't really feel like it covers the wound. Um, regardless, navigating it is, can be tricky because, well, let me just back up to say, if, if those three R's are covered, I feel like it's a lot easier to forgive, honestly. Mm. And, and there are certainly situations that, where the the sin is so great that it takes something from someone in a way that it, they'll they will always struggle to forgive right because restitution can't truly be made in some situations but in other areas that have more to do with words and attitudes um sometimes those can be repaired but they just aren't and so whether whether it comes or not how you deal with it i i think is a, is an act of faith and faith you know, faith to believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he'd do. And, and, and faith is an ongoing thing. That's, that's one of the, one of my thoughts on the, the act of faith, similar to an act of forgiveness is, is an ongoing choice. And, and forgiveness is sometimes similar to that as well. Certainly time, um, and boundaries too, right? We don't, we just walk back into those situations um, but it's, it's an ongoing decision. Yeah. We had someone that, that offered some similar advice with that, where they just said, you know, like with the boundary side of forgiveness, like there are times where it really is best for you not to try to keep one foot in one foot out. If we're talking about like walking the line with church community or faith community, like to really make that decision, are we going to stay and do our best to repair or to just be quiet? Or are we going to move into something different that God has for us in a different way? Um, so to just to be able to actually choose and not um, try to straddle that like one foot in, one foot out and do a delicate balance. With, along those, when you put it in the three R's uh, thing, there's, you're never going to get the actual reconciliation because it's my understanding those three things or what it actually requires for reconciliation to happen. So if you're dealing with individuals that, that I mean, are they going to be able to show remorse? Are they going to, is there going to be repentance? Will they take ownership? If that's never going to happen, there's not going to be reconciliation. So it sounds like you've even taken a step further where not only am I going to have to deal with being misunderstood 
not only am I going to have to deal with being hurt and not getting an apology, I'm also going to have to deal with the grief of the loss of a community, friends, mentors, and those that are doing these other two things. Um, yeah, it sounds like you guys need a therapist, honestly. But uh, <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know a, I know a few guys. I know uh, a guy. <laughs> uh, so with it, I mean, church hurt itself, it can lead to isolation. I mean, Darren, you even talked about, you know, do I want to do I want to do this again? The church thing? No. Yes, I want to follow God. So this is a part of it. That isolation. How do you maintain that healthy sense of community, that connection with God? Uh, even as you work through the pain and challenges caused by church hurt, even going to a new place, do I join that small group? What's it going to be like? Are people, do I be vulnerable? Now people are going to think I'm a weirdo or I'm a part of a cult or, you know, certainly let me put a clarify out there. I'm not calling anybody a cult. You you can send me an email to clarify. I am not targeting anybody saying you're a cult. Uh, we're all yes. part of the body of Christ there. Uh, unless you qualify for a cult, look it up. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I digress. Uh, yes. If you take it personal, it, it's not directed at you. Anyways, with that, <laughs> as you're going through it, that is a very real concern. Because if these yeah. people over here, they, they might think I'm a weirdo for this reason. Uh, this person over here, I'm I'm too much of cult. I'm, I'm too worldly over here. Like, I don't want to be misunderstood more. Um, so as you're going through that, how how do you engage and you personally how have you engaged uh in the new church community um that believes all the same top tier doctrines everything's there and you've you've tried to make sure it's safe for you your kids your wife um but then there's also you uh how have you done that so specifically one of the things that was a felt loss for me was community because it was how much it disconnected us from uh, our our friends and our honestly a lot of things like in in some ways it was also our social life too and and a lot of you will understand that but when that when that um, when that happened we when we lost our church community there was a very a very real sense of loss there for me and so one thing I specifically did <clears throat> as I started realizing that sense of loss was I started intentionally reaching out to um, specific friends that I had that I knew I still had um, regardless of where they were or where they were from. And I, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a needy, like um, help me through this accountability. It wasn't even that kind of stuff. It was literally just texting a friend and interacting, right? Just, just to be, um, just to, to build up, I guess, for lack of better terms, my own community. And these are, these are, would be my friends. Like they probably didn't think anything of a text from me, but as we all know, texts and communication with people who aren't close by can sometimes be weeks or months. And it's, it's not a bad thing, but I just needed, I needed people. So I just initiated more of those conversations. And for a while I tried to do it every day just to reach out to somebody and, and get that little bit of connection. Right. Because even moving to a new church, um, yeah, that just takes time. Um, and it's small groups are great. To be honest, I haven't joined one. Part of my work schedule is difficult. Um, but making cultivating those um, relationships take time. So that was specifically one of the things I did for community. 
and we know that when when we've been hurt, and we've talked about this on other podcasts as well, but when we've been hurt in relationships, we yeah. have to heal relationally. When we've been wounded spiritually, we have it takes time and we have to heal spiritually. And all of those things are overlapping. It's it's definitely that Venn diagram over a box, but that's the vulnerability of I have been burnt in this area. I have been wounded deeply. And um, like I said, it can make you gun shy to try again. But in order to become unstuck, unfrozen, to move from that fight, bitter, me against the world mentality, I'm going to have to open myself up to potential hurt again. And knowing that that I'm going to interact with with human beings who are on a journey just like me, um, we can do that then with, I mean, hopefully we learn from our mistakes, right? And we go in a little bit more eyes wide open, um, informed, but not so guarded that we don't let anybody in again. And so it does look like, man, I mean, it is a lot easier to just go home and be here on the farm and have board game night, you know, with us and our four kids. So it cost us something to reach out and say, Hey, would you guys like to come over? Especially if somebody says no, you know, and you're like, Oh no, is it because of me? They probably don't like me. You know, like you, your mind just goes back to like, I knew this was going to happen. Okay. Well they had soccer, right? Like that doesn't mean anything more than they had soccer that one night that I invited them. It doesn't mean they don't want to be church friends, but keep trying in the business world, you kind of understand you're going to hear no a lot of times before you hear a yes. But in relationships, it sometimes feels like when I hear a no, there's something wrong with me and I'm not going to do that again. Well, we just have different chemistry. We have different personalities. We have different groups or maybe they already have a capacity of friend base that they really don't even feel like they can keep up with what they have. You know, we don't know their story. So we've had to reach out and go to Sunday dinner at people's houses we don't know and try a friendship. And it's not an all or nothing. You know, it's not like if I start saying hello to this person on a Sunday, we're going to have to be best friends. And I don't know if I like them yet. Try a dinner, you know, put yourself out there. All, all you're talking about reminds me of uh, when we had um, Tiffany Yecky Brooks on, on the uh, episode or on the podcast and, in her book, one of the things she says, a community, it cannot erase your history, but it can help help us find our way forward when our blessing and our birthright seem to have gone awry. Um, wow. Yeah. And and I, I didn't know if I would ask this question, but I think I'm going to go ahead. So, you know, be nervous. But <laughs> we talked about there's people that are committed to misunderstanding you. We understand that as you leave uh, and move from a one denomination into another denomination within the body of Christ, let's be clear. Um, but there are those that will kind of push aside the fact that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. And certainly they wouldn't say out loud that denomination equals salvation. But there are those that may question your salvation based on the decisions you're making. Uh, a, has that happened for you? not naming any names and B what was that like when those individuals either passively through the grapevine or directly 
through written communication or a call or a text or coming over with, you know, a gift and a tip uh, for how you should live your life. What did that look like maybe? And what was that like for you? And, and, and how do you, what advice would you give to others as they maybe have been de-Christianized or had their salvation questioned uh, simply for moving to another denomination that has to lose again, those top tier doctrines uh, in place. Absolutely. Right. Tenants of the faith. Right. I hold a lot of compassion for people who have experienced um, what you're asking about. Um, there are ways that that has impacted Darren and I, for sure, in our family. It is a little strange to be following God's call um, in a Gideon way, where you really feel unqualified <laughs> for what he's called you to. Um, there's so many times when I ask him, um, to take this cup from me. Like, are, do you still want me here? Has it been a good run? Can we move on? Can I be a stay at home mom now again? You know, and, um, can we move from this? Like this, this isn't what I felt like I signed up for. Right. I thought we were just going to be working in the body of Christ to restore the church, to restore health to families, um, and bring you glory. And so there's a certain kind of odd understanding when you realize that because you're following God's call in your life, you as the parent could now be a liability to your kids and the friendships they, they are or are not allowed to have with other families, um, where other families will feel like they're protecting their kids by not allowing them to interact with you. Um, that's, that's um, confusing sometimes, and, and that's also a grief at the end of the day. So I know that we're not the only ones who have experienced that. I have heard stories um, over and over again as we have, because we've kind of gone through this in a public way of people watching. How do you handle it? Um, are you going to maintain a spirit of humility and teachability and um are you going to listen to those who would oppose you? Are you going to allow those elements of truth to grow you? There might, every time there's an opposition, there's something we can learn from it, even when it cuts deep. What are we going to learn from that? Um, or are we going to just give up? And back to this whole topic that we've talked about today on resilience, um, it really comes down to taking some time and not retreating, but there have been times in history with battles where they take a few steps back to regroup and they come in stronger than ever to fight the battle that the Lord has put before them. And I believe that's what Darren and I have been doing the last few months um, is gaining clarity. What is the call that God has placed on our family's lives? Cause it's not just for me. This, this is for our whole family and um, it cost them, and they do this with me. Uh, Darren speaks into Grace Story in a way that shapes it in a different way than what I alone could do on my own. And so, um, really, honestly, he's the one that has, in the last few months, said, "Hey, let's let's stick this out and see. Let's see if God has something better, different, more for Grace Story. Let's not give up quite yet." 
I believe he has more for this community and this work. So that's where the teamwork comes in. That's where the resilience, when I am weak, he is my spine, you know, but together our strength is in Christ. And that's what we rely on. That is what gives us the the ability to be able to bounce back because that is a rock solid foundation that has no give. It has no sway. Um, it has truth. It allows us to be honest with ourselves as we get the story straight. Where are places that I need to grow in this? So, yeah, I think when we look at scripture, we see that Jesus was misunderstood and I don't assume we can expect much different. Um, and, and while some of these things hurt, there's also, there's also the, um, the realization that, that we don't answer to them. Um, and I say that respectfully, but we re, we, we answer to God. And so where God chooses to direct us is, is um, his business and we're, we're open to it. So what you're saying again, reminds me of another quote by, by Dr. Brooks. Um, As we each limp towards glory in our own time and place, we are carrying forward the very tools we need to restore a portion of God's creation. We are both the victims and the redeeming hope of a broken world. Um, And that goes to what we talked about with resilience too, that, uh, Yes, it's a little bit of your your gifts, sure, but uh, our experiences, what we go through, and the 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 uh, tools we gain from that are part of what we can then use for those around us. I've heard from you lots of different things during this episode of how you've moved, you know, through your own life, through your own stories, through your own uh, church hurt. Um, and certainly not deconstructing, but certainly doing a deep audit of your faith. Um, so just to clarify, um, I've heard, uh, you've used a lot of self-reflection. I've heard a lot of engagement in scripture, um, a lot of staying in community within the body of Christ, um, seeking support, seeking counsel, seeking guidance outside of your own self. Um, I've heard avoiding defensiveness. And certainly not retreating into isolation. Um, I've heard uh, uh, respecting differences um, and finding a way to, uh, again, not just be okay, but to move through being misunderstood. Um, I've heard uh, you also say uh, considering the the boundaries that you might have to set up um, as well, and um, you know, trying your best to. provide unity and not any unnecessary division. Um, and I say that that way specifically, Mm -hmm. there may be division, but certainly not any unnecessary division. I, there's probably more, but as we, uh, come to a close here, just want to throw it back over to y'all. Um, as we, as we go through this, those that are listening, if there's maybe some key takeaway or one more thing that you would add um, that these individuals that are listening in that are a part of the Grace Story community that resonate with what you're saying um, might need to hear or that you'd like to talk to them about, from Darren and Amber, what would that be? I, I would just start off by saying, it kind of refers back to what I said at the beginning, 
it's not the resilience isn't the absence of failure or falling or trouble and and one thing too we don't <clears throat> what you're you know what what you've cultivated in your life till that point is part of what gets you through it but we don't talk so much about the length of time um and that hasn't even come up today so if if you find yourself um down you know there's always the ch- there's always the opportunity to start developing that resilience um to come back you know there's an opportunity for your comeback story starting now yeah grace story is founded on the mission of um inspiring hope by creating sacred space where healing happens and it's not grace story that creates those sacred spaces it is god the father himself and sometimes we can get hung up on the cost and what was lost and what we gave up and what we don't have any longer um, what our kids won't have that we had um, some of those things the betrayal, or whatever it might be for the listener today. When we can take that time that we need to get the story straight, there is a time for grief. There is a season to understand loss and what the cost was. And then there's a time to refocus our eyes on our Heavenly Father. And that looks intentional. Um... It's not always just easy, like, okay, well, that was a pretty good season of grief. I feel like that was productive. And so now I'm going to be, I'm going to look forward with hope. Hope doesn't always look like we expect it to look. There are moments when I realized that like what I thought the hope that Grace Story was going to hold up for people with family restoration and um, some of these these things like this is what we're going to hold out as hope for people that they can attain and aspire to. That's not what has happened. Um, there's very real costs on personal and professional levels that I couldn't have seen five years ago when we started this together. Um, that being said, hope has depth and and um, and a bigness to it that is just like what we said about the body of Christ. When when we're in our box, this is what we see. When we step outside of that box and we allow the heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, to just open those doors and give us a peek, a surprise moment of His grace and His abundance, and we begin to get a taste for that. It's like He says, "Here's just a peek into what I have for you." But goodness, there's so much more. Rest in me. Um, Turn your focus back to me, um, and then let's get that story straight together. And so for the listener who's going through something similar, who feels something similar today, I would just say, I see you. I feel you. Um, It is hard stuff. And it can feel so lonely. And there can be questions where you think, I don't know who to ask those to because I can't ask them where I came from because they'll think I'm a heretic. I can't ask my new church because 
they will not understand this question at all. Um, and so you can feel like you're lost with nowhere to turn. I want you to know that that is something you can bring to the Father. And that can feel cliche, but you can bring that to the Father. And you may not hear an audible answer to that, but I guarantee you, He will put somebody in your path. He will bring this podcast across your path. He will bring a reel through Facebook if you're going through and numbing out in that way. God will show up for you when you diligently seek Him and begin to put him first into those places in your life that you have used to numb, that you have begin to replace those places that you're numbing with God, with spiritual disciplines and practice, and intentionally choose to pivot towards, it takes a while to pivot, but to begin pivoting your gaze to the Father. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10 says, let us not become weary in doing good, For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Um, It's just just an encouragement to continue doing good, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of misunderstanding, um, and continuing on the journey of restoration, even when we feel like giving up and finding that community um, the, the wise counsel, the resources uh, to keep on moving forward. Well, we are out of time, but Amber, Darren, thank you so much for coming on uh, Great Story Podcast today and sharing your hearts. Thank you. Thank you. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, give us a follow there, tap a five-star rating and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there. Hit that notification bell to never miss an episode. We're we're always eager to hear from you, so send us a message at nate at gracestoryministries.com. I'd love to hear what you have to say, some topic, feedback. Like I say every time, there is no us without you. So get engaged, continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode. Until then, we'll be praying for you.